What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 67.4. And we are continuing our playthrough of Radiant Historia in the year of the JRPG. The year of the JRPG is quickly becoming the year of, like, five games. <laughs> yeah. Because they're long and, well, I'm planning a wedding that's happening in three weeks. So, yeah. Anyway. Tonight I have with me Matt. Hello, guys. And yeah, so uh, I would say the majority of Chapter 3 I finished. In fact, I think I'm relatively close to finishing Chapter 3 in both. Yeah, I think you are. Uh, Man, how do I start? You know, there actually wasn't that much I need to time. I need to go somewhere else to do something. In this chapter. Yeah, there's a lot more, like, straightforward, let's just progress. Yeah. Um, let's start with the standard timeline. Now, you know what? There's a big thing that happens in the standard timeline. Let's start with the alternate timeline. So the last we left off with the alternate timeline was... Um, Stock had defended... Um, uh, gosh, it was Rosh along with um, the rest of his his party, uh, and he passed out and woke up in the Beast City. Yeah, Celestia. Celestia. And um, did we talk about this already, or was it was that where we left off? I think that's where we left off. We left off. Okay. It's been a while and I played a lot. I had a road trip I had to go on last weekend and, um, cause it's been two weeks. Um, and, uh, got a lot of game time in on the road. Yeah. We both almost ended up in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, during a really bad time. Um, uh, in fact, I was there when, um, I, I wasn't in the Waffle House, obviously, but I was in the town when the shooting at the Waffle House happened. That was crazy. Um, luckily, you know, we, we, we left like that. It happened that night and we left the next morning kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was, whew. That was scary for a minute there. Um, yeah, slightly like when I was in Miami, there was a bridge collapse. Yeah, that's true. The bridge collapsed the same day you were in Miami, and I texted you and said, are you okay? <laughs> um, I think I responded with, I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I, you know, just wanted to check. But, uh, uh, yeah, so um, I had a lot of game time, needless to say. Uh, probably about, I probably put a good almost five hours into the game on the road. Um, but, yeah. Um, so we're in the, the alternate timeline. We're in the, uh, the beast city where, um, Oct and the rest of her crew are from. Um, we're rescued by Oct and her almost monkey or ape man. Yeah. The, the, the guttrals is, is his species, right? Uh, I, I think he mentioned it once. Yep, and his name is Gafka. Gafka. Uh, and Gafka becomes a party member. Um, he's kind of like a brawler 
Yeah. Goes up and punches guys. And he's also got the similar ability to Marco, where he can pull them forward. Yeah. Which I, I've, I've found to be a pretty key ability. Not only because you can break up sort of the formations when they set the the, the power symbols on the ground. Yeah. But also you do more damage when they're closer. Yeah. So pulling them closer to me is generally better than pushing them away. Yeah. And so uh, he joins our party. Uh, we, when we make it, when we wake up in town... Uh, there's a few people who are not keen on us humans being there. Pretty much the most of the town. Uh, yeah, except for a couple of people. Oct uh, likes us, and uh, while uh, is it Gafka? Yep. Yeah, while Gafka is reluctant to bring us into town, he trusts what Oct says. Yeah, and he seems relatively even keeled. Yeah, he's not, you know, high energy, high temper kind of guy. So. um they take us to meet the um, the chief of the town, and um, they request that we um, help clear out some, um, I, I guess, some of the uh, vicious wildlife? Is that what they, they originally want us to do? Yeah, they basically say there's monsters in the hills, and part of the reason we don't like humans is because we don't think humans respect the land. And that's why these monsters have gotten out of control. Yeah, they're not doing their job of of uh, culling the herd, I guess. Yeah. So uh, he asked us to help uh, clear them out. Uh, along the way, we do meet up with Rosh. Rosh is okay, but um, physically he has some issues along with some mental issues. Uh, firstly, his gauntlet, his left hand is made out of a mechanical gauntlet. He lost it in a, a battle a long time ago. Is it just his hand? Do you know how far up it's me- mechanical? I want to say it goes up to his elbow. Yeah, it's kind of what I was envisioning. For I, I was trying to decide if I thought it was his whole arm, but I, I think it's just kind of his lower arm. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, during the big battle where we escaped, uh, Rosh... Uh, made it out with his life but not his arm his gauntlet is completely I wouldn't say completely destroyed but it is not working anymore uh, Sonia obviously is with us the doctor um, and she says that she could possibly fix it but we have no parts whatsoever here um, so we're just going to leave it like that on top of that Rosh has kind of lost his will to, to fight and this is because so many people died, right? Yes. Uh, so they basically say the brigade was annihilated. And... Alistair's fell to corruption. Yep, and the and Alistair's lost the will also. They basically said, well, if Rosh is beat, we give up. Yeah. And uh, General Hugo has pretty much taken over the city. Um... Everything's kind of left in shambles. This is the the Empire Strikes Back, if you will, where um, everything just is kind of crappy. And Rosh just doesn't have the will to do anything. He's like, you guys go on without me. I'm useless without my arm. And they said, what's the point anymore? Like, we don't even have an army, you know, and we got, we got kill, killed and all this other stuff. So, uh, Stock and, 
uh, his uh, his two new party members. Well, Oct isn't really a new party member, but uh, they go out on a monster hunt to uh, to take out some of the monsters that's in the surrounding area. Um, we run into somebody, don't we? Yeah, we meet the the traveling troop. Right. So Van Vanoss and the troop. Vanoss, yeah. Uh, we have a boss fight. Um, <laughs> with, with is it a giant chicken? Is that what that is? It's a giant bear at one point. Yeah, there's a bear that looks stupid. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were getting attacked by a giant bear. And uh, and the enemies definitely were harder here, more aggressive. Yeah. But not overwhelmingly so. True. It was a clear step up, I thought. Yeah, uh, and I, I ran into a couple of areas earlier on where I was like, "Okay, I obviously don't need to go here yet." So, um, but yeah, um, we save the uh, the troop, and we return back to uh, to town, and uh, Stock can't get out of his mind. Look, we got I got to know what's going on in Alistair. I don't know how long it's been. It feels like, from the way the game acts, it feels like it's been weeks. Yeah, when you say the town, this is they went all the way back to Alistair. Well, first they went to back to the chief, and uh, Stock when he's been town, he's like, I got to go back to Alistair. So I don't know yeah. what's going on there. What happened to, um, you know, General Hugo's running around. He knows that uh, uh, Lieutenant Raoul was was helping us so what happened to Raul we need to know what happened so he has the bright idea of we need to go back to Alistair uh, just to check things out uh, and the troop says that they would uh, come with us and we could uh, be part of the troop much like we did in the standard timeline um, so uh, we decided to travel back to Alistair and I would like I said in game, I would say this is probably a couple of weeks later, something like that. Yeah. Uh, when we get there, the entire town is kind of like, I wouldn't say on lockdown, but you can tell Hugo has pretty much taken over. Yep. And people are like, man, I don't like this. This is, this isn't what we wanted. Um, so uh we get stopped by a few people and we're like hey we're traveling uh troop we're going to be uh setting up and uh we're going to be um you know giving you guys a show and they're like well you can't do a show because uh or or you can do a show but you can't advertise it because it's going to make people come over to you guys when hey guess what general hugo's uh is talking on behalf of the prophet and everybody needs to go see that so uh, Stock's like okay well this is the opportune moment to hopefully try and find Raul if he's still around it just so happens we run into Raul he has uh, he has made it underground so to say which means he put on a hood so nobody can recognize <laughs> him <laughs> uh, and Raul uh, is saying, hey, we need to get the heck out of Dodge right now. Because, yeah, uh, Hugo, he isn't just taking over Alistair. He's decided he's going to invade Grand Org, and he has also decided that he is also going to move toward 
the beast kingdoms. So nobody's really safe from this tyrant. And he's getting ready to do this stuff real soon. Do we have a fight here? I can't remember. Um, we do, as we're exiting the city, we do. Yeah, I think we get made kind of thing. And they're chasing after us. But it's basically yep. just go back to Celestia. Yeah, these ones were kind of annoying because they would paralyze in this fight. Yeah. I'll tell you the thing I really dislike is that, so you have enemies on the screen, right? And you can hit them with your sword and stun them and then possibly do a, you know, a preemptive strike in the beginning of the battle. Later on in this game, and I've ran into it a few times, they have just, just those wooden shields sitting there. Mm-hmm. And if you run into a wooden shield, you're going to get into a fight. The wooden shield counts as an enemy. <laughs> and so... Later on, uh, which we'll talk about, I ran into a corridor that was nothing but shields. And I was like, really? I can't walk around these guys? And so I had to go through like three different shield enemies that were just sitting there. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't avoid them. You couldn't avoid them. Yeah. You just had to do it. And I was like, oh, this is annoying. So, um, so what are you doing is when it comes to fights, are you, Taking everyone you can get and fighting every fight you can fight, or are you dodging them? Are you running away if the enemies are hard? How are you approaching sort of the standard progression battles? Um, it, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of both. So I will run away from a lot of fights at the same time if I'm like, eh, I'll take this guy on. I'll take this guy on. Um, uh, fights and th- there are no like. 10 second fights in this game. You get into a yeah. fight, you're going to have to strategize. You're going to have to, you can't, they have an auto battle, but that thing is going to get you at least one of your party members KO'd. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. So I, you know, at the same time, it feels like you're going to be using up resources, like, you know, using up your MP and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of the fights. And the problem is, is like a lot of the fights I'm running into doesn't give that many experience points. I'd probably have to do six or seven fights before I do a a level up once. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I I usually start off fairly gung ho about it, but I feel like my MP drains pretty quick. Yeah. You know, you do two or three fights, then you're almost out of MP. And if you're nowhere near a village, can be a little bit difficult to maintain your safety. So I basically start off doing all the fights and then start running away more and more as I run out of resources. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I end up doing too. The difference is, is that I do have the vault of time that I can then go into and just get more healing items or more um, herbal stuff to raise my MP again. Yeah, and that's also where I do a lot of my grinding. So on the road trip, I did probably two good runs of the Vault of Time and leveled up about three, four times. So uh, for where you finished for this week, do you know what level you are? I'm not entirely sure, but I can tell you because I got my DS right in front of me. Um, just give me a second here, but yeah, um, but the goal of uh, back in the standard time, or not standard, but the alternate timeline, the goal is to try and get Raul out of town and then back to Celestia, which is 
what we do. Um, making it back there, we then go back to the chief and we tell him, all right, look, Raul knows he heard what Hugo's planning. He's planning a full-on invasion. He's taking the Alistair army and full-on invading. Uh, I'm seeing it right here. Uh, I am at the end of chapter 3, 15 hours, 55 minutes, and 33 seconds, and stock is level 34, while Rainey and Marco are level 33. Oh, pretty good. So that's where I am currently. Yeah, I haven't really done any grinding, so I'm at about 30. Yeah. 30 and 29, I think, or 31 and 30. Um, So we talked to the chief. Chief's like, he's a little reluctant about it. He says, let me think on it. We'll see what we need to do. And uh, the next day, uh, we talked to the chief, and she's like, all right, we've made up our mind. We're going to help you guys. We're going to give you as many men as we can to help you know, lead a resistance against the Alistair Army and General Hugo. And we could probably get um, – what's the what's the country down below to the south? I can't remember what it's called. Cygnus. Cygnus. We could probably get some people from Cygnus to join our cause as well. Um, but we're going to need a leader to do this. So this. For me, this is basically the whole chapter is around this question. Who, who's going to be the leader? And if you pick Rosh, can you get him to join? Right. So they give you another option for Raul to lead it. Yep. But I chose Rosh and it gave me a a stopping point. Now it wasn't a oh Rosh screwed up and you know everybody died at the end kind of thing. Yep, it should have been Raul. Yeah. It, they didn't give me that. It said okay, well when I chose Rosh, we went and talked to Rosh, and Rosh gave me this big speech of like, look, it's over. Who cares? It's, you know, I'm useless. It's, you know, we might as well just lay over and die. To which then Tio and Lipti show up and say, well, Rosh's heart is broken and his will is broken, but there is a way to repair him. Which makes me think this is the way it should go. Yep. I never actually did pick Raul. Yeah. It seems like that's clearly the wrong answer, so I never even did pick it. Yeah. So that is kind of like our stop. We can't we can't progress any further. Let's go to the other timeline. So which that's what I did. Switched over to the standard timeline. Uh, the last thing we left off for the standard timeline was um, we ran into Princess uh, Erica. And uh, I, I know you're, you're not hearing the the voice that they call her Erica. Yeah, it's not Eureka. Yeah, but in, in my mind, it's Erica now. It started off as like Eureka, basically, yeah. even though it's not how it's spelled. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, it's uh, it's Erica. Uh, we ran into her. She's actually the leader of the resistance. Uh, yeah. So so when I got to this point in the alternate timeline, and then jumped back to the standard timeline. This was when I went in and did the whole castle thing to assassinate her. Oh, okay. Wow, you made it way far. Yeah, because I had progressed so far on the alternate history without going back to standard. So when I finally went back here, it was just after the sewers because I, I had 
this is the first time I had gone back to the standard timeline with the teleport ability. And this is when I finally went through, climbed up the vines, got into the room. Um, and then, if you remember, right at the end of this section, when Otto, the little boy, like leads you out, that was where I stopped for last week. And right. you had gone just a little bit farther until we actually meet Erica. Yeah, and I, and I talked about it, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we we'll, a little recap there. We ran into uh, pr- the princess... Erica, she is the leader of the resistance. Surprise! Um, can't assassinate. Yeah. So she, well, she doesn't say we, we can't assa- assassinate her. She just says, "Look, you make up your own decision, but hey, I'm giving you my reasons for joining the resistance." Um, my stepmother, Queen Potea, is insane. She's a tyrant, and she is not. She's she's not wanting to perform the ritual that may very well stop, or at least slow down the desertification of the world. So she says, "Well, give it some time. We need to get out of the city. Think on it, and you can give me your answer later. But you will play a pivotal part in this if you do join." So Stock, Rainy, Marco, uh. Travel to a city to the east, just slightly to the east. Can't remember the name of the city. Cornet Village. Cornet Village. Yeah. But the way it was written on my DS, it looked like Comet Village. Comet Village. Uh, but yeah, we go to the village and uh, rest there uh, and discuss: Should we believe her, or should we, or should we go on with our mission? Rainy is having a, a major problem with this. She's like, look, we're abandoning our mission. And our country. And our country. Our city. This is, you know, betrayal. This is, you know, we're, we're, we're betraying our country. They're, they'll, they'll hang us for this. And Marco seems to be a little bit more level-headed about it. Yeah. While Randy's like, look, I don't know if I can do this. I can't just betray my country like this. They took us in whenever we didn't have anybody. And Stock is like, look, I, I have to pursue this. I'm not going to ask you guys to, to you know, desert your, your country, but I'm doing this. So, if you want to join me, you can. Um, so uh, a couple of days pass while we're in the village, and uh, we get a cutscene of uh, basically like. Uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Queen Patea is sitting there, and she gets word that there's resistance members in the city. And she says, okay, well, we'll just burn the city. <laughs> and they're like, Burn them out like rats. Yeah, burn them out like rats. And you're like, you, you want us to burn the city down? She's like, yeah, burn them all. Kill them all. To which yeah, I'm, resistance, I'm, townspeople, whoever. Yeah, anybody, citizens, just burn them all. We don't, we can't tell who who's on the resistance, who's not. Just kill them all. And like even me sitting here reading this or listening to it, I was like, wow, this woman's crazy. Yeah, because like, she even goes one step further and says, don't only burn it down, but then blame the resistance for the fire. Exactly. So not even not even an evil mastermind though, kind of just like psychotic. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, well, was it her that said that, or was it her little generals that are below her? Those two guys that actually don't like her at all? Yeah, I think that was their choice is to start at the uh, corner of this, yep. uh, you know, like the, the low population areas. Yep. To save and, as many people as possible. And save as many people as possible. And we'll blame this on the resistance saying that it's some kind of terrorist act. Yeah, that's right. Um, Sel- Selvin, see the one that decided that? I can't remember. I can't remember those two guys' names to save my life. Uh, but they're, they're her two, like, right hand men, her hit men, I guess. Uh, they can't stand her. They're like, she's an incompetent leader. She's insane. Uh, but they, it seems like they have their own scheming plans as well, though. So yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're good guys, but they, they're definitely like, whoa, you're crazier than we are. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he orders the, the, the guards to burn, start burning the city. Um, and while we're in uh, the village, uh, we get word that, hey, the city's on fire. Uh, Queen Patea said to burn down the city. And Stock's like, what? That's insane. Why would she do that? So we're like, okay, we got to go back there because y- Yurka's still there. Yeah, I like when they left to go to back to Celestia. It was Marco and Stock. They basically left Rainy behind. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, man, that that's kind of an interesting split in the group because I thought, you know, I, I didn't think there was any way that Rainy and Marco would ever split. But it doesn't take long before she runs back and says, yeah, we need to save Alistair. We'll do whatever we need to do. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like uh, Mr. Drippy. Yeah, yeah. When we leave Mr. Drippy at home and then all of a sudden he shows back up two minutes later saying, hey, what are you doing? Runs across water. Runs across the water to, to join us. Uh, Mr. Drippy. I, I, you know, I, I, I think I need to remind everybody I really dislike Nino Cooney. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so yeah, Rainy joins back with us even after she, she, I guess she molded over and said, okay, I'll help you guys. Um, this seems like the right thing to do. So when we make it back to Grand Org, the entire city is ablaze. <laughs> People are dead in the streets. It's it's madness. Um, we do run back into the uh, the Resistance people, um, Otto and Erica, and I think a couple other people. Uh, and we try we try to make our escape from the city. Um, back back through the sewers. Yeah, back through the sewers again. Do we have a boss fight down here? I can't remember. Uh, I think so because we didn't actually get into the sewers. There was the gate was stuck, and then it turns out we got double crossed by a guy who had locked the gate. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it plays out that uh, the little girl. Yep, was his sister. Yeah. So the little girl that was in the sewers that we decided to to help find her way out of the sewers uh her brother who was part of the resistance betrayed us locked the sewer so we couldn't go through and then called the guards to come take us in um but he was originally going to fight us but the girl 
that we saved was there. And she's like, no, don't do this. Uh, so I'm guessing I don't. I, what would happen if we didn't save the girl? We just end up fighting him. I guess so. Yeah, because it says that in in the in the bag that she gave us, the mystery bag down in the sewer. Yeah, there was a flare, and we used that to escape. But yeah, if you didn't have that flare, I bet you would have to fight him. Yeah. So yeah, we we used the flare uh, to blind everybody, and uh, we make our escape. Through, through the through the front doors <laughs> basically um and we uh we get out of dodge real quick um we get kind of separated from the rest of the resistance uh eric is with us and uh we say okay we're gonna meet back up at the sand fortress let's just make it there um there's some um the uh who, who's who uh, god i'm getting my timelines mixed up now um <laughs> Who's at the well, sand I, I think now? they ba- basically said, let's meet at the Sand Fortress because it's on the way to Cygnus. Yeah. That's where we're going, yeah, Cygnus. But uh, they, I think, is it Grand Ork soldiers that have taken over the Sand Fortress at this point? Yeah. Yeah. We What we need to do is find the king of Cygnus, Garland. So that I think that's who we're aiming to go meet. That's who Erica wants to help recruit. Right. So... Um, we make it to the Sand Fortress after going through a couple of areas. Meet back up with Otto. Otto finally shows back up. He's like, alright, we're being chased by a bunch of guys. We need to leave. So we go through the Sand Fortress, taking on guys. This is where I ran into that big wall of um, Mm -hmm. barriers that I had to fight. Otto wants to pull a keel and sacrifice himself. Which he does. He's like, all right, I'll hold him off. You guys go on without me. And Erica's like, no. But he goes off anyway and pulls a keel and dies. Or at least I guess he <laughs> dies. Um, so we go through the Sand Fortress. We make it out to uh, the cliffs. or it's Judgment Cliffs. Judgment Cliffs. And we're like, okay, it's getting dark. We need to like camp for the night. So uh, we ask uh, Oct, because we run back into her, hey, um, where's a good place to camp, you guys know? And she's like, yeah, we'll go over here to this cave. I know where her cave is. Make it to the cave, and uh, we set up uh, camp. So we got... Yeah, getting to the cave was rough. You think so? With the tornadoes and the falling rocks. Uh, The tornadoes were easy. Yeah, I, I was just, I think, out of stuff at this point. So basically, I was trying to avoid everything. I was, like, zigzagging around the screen trying to dodge everything. So I'm like, I don't want to fight anybody. I just want to get to this camp. Oh, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> just want to camp out for the night, recoup, and then I'll fight tornadoes in the morning. There you go. Yeah, it's tornadoes, like straight-up tornadoes that we have to fight. Uh, it only took like, you know, I got three party members, standard attack from every party member would take out a tornado for me. One of each, one attack from each. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we make it to the camp and, um, we have a choice here and I don't know if it matters. I'm curious as to what that, like, so, uh, the Randy's going to set up the tent 
And, uh, Randy says, Hey, you might want to, uh, talk to Erica. It seems like you're, you want to ask her some questions about this resistance deal, what the ritual is going to be, all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. we'll set up the camp. Why don't you, you know, build the fire, watch the fire, make sure, you know, keep, keep a lookout and you keep can her talk. company. Yeah. And talk to her. And then Marco's like, oh, I got it. I can handle, I can, uh, I can keep watch first if you want. And you have a choice to either let Marco keep watch or let, um, stock keep watch. I think what, what may happen, I would, I am very curious as to what would happen if I let Marco do it because I have a feeling I'd get a bad ending where Marco dies. Oh yeah, maybe. And then everybody else dies too. Yeah, because it, it's this is one of the weird types of choices where it's so clear what the expected answer is. I don't want to say the right answer, but it has been the right answer almost every time. But it's clearly the expected answer that you would have Stock deal with the fire and speak with Erica. Now, the reason why I say that Marco would die is not because he, he catches himself on fire by watching the fire. Um, that's because what happens next. Um, uh, but before I get to what happens next, let's talk about the dialogue between Erica and, uh, stock stock finally gets to ask some questions about what, what's really going on. Um, Erica keeps looking at stock in a funny way. And he says, every time you look at me, you get this look about you to which I was thinking, Oh, she's in love. Yeah. Everybody's in love with stock, but it's actually the opposite. She says, you remind me of my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my brother, uh, was a lot different from the rest of my family. He was essentially the beginning of the resistance, even though he didn't start it. Um, he was about the people while her father and her stepmother are, were tyrants. The father was, her father died, but before, yeah, like how she, she calls him the tyrant king. Yeah. But before her father died, he ordered to have her brother killed because he saw how his brother, how her brother acted and said, I don't want that to be king. So he killed him. Uh, he was a just person. He was about the people and he knew that the ritual needed to be done in order to stop the desertification. I don't know why the king would want to not stop that. Maybe it's a political matter. Maybe uh, war means money. But, um, yeah, so uh, the people that were following her brother decided to gather together and form a resistance. And uh, that's when everything started happening. So um, she has her reasons not only to save the world, but also to... Finish off what her brother started. Uh, yep. Stock then asks, "Okay, so you said that you needed me for this ritual. What do you mean by that?" <laughs> and she said, "Well, I need your, I need your power specifically." And he's like, "What do you mean? I don't, I don't understand what you mean. What, what, what is my power?" She says, "Well, I can't tell you." <laughs> and we're like, "Okay, so." It's funny because it's funny because this is almost exactly the same storyline right here as 
one of the books I'm reading at the moment, which is like a Lovecraftian book, uh-huh. where basically there's a long lost son with the bloodline, the appropriate bloodline, and he's the one that they need his power, so they need to sacrifice him to summon, you know, an elder god. Right. It's always a chosen one in this. Yeah. But, uh, oh, somebody with that internal power, that bloodline. I know. But uh, she won't say what Stock will need to do if they do try to perform the ritual with him. Uh, she says that that will be the last of last resorts. Uh, so um, Stock's like, okay, well, what we first need to do is is bring the queen out of power, which is what I plan to do. And I won't ask you any more questions until after I do that. She said, okay. We don't actually know anything about Stock's family, do we? I, we know nothing about Stock's past. The only thing we know is that he used to be a soldier with Rosh and then joined Special Intelligence, and that's it. I wonder where he got this power and why they chose to give him the Radiant Historia book. Yeah. So um, after that, she goes to bed. Stock's sitting there keeping watch, and he hears something in the bushes. He's like, who's there? And out pops Rosh. And Ready Rosh, to finish the mission. Rosh is here saying, is it true? Is what true? <laughs> Did you really betray Alistair? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, why didn't you kill Erica? She's here. Why don't Go you do fi- it. <laughs> yeah, why don't you finish her off right now? He's like, look, it's not that simple. We have to, we're doing something here that, that is bigger than this stupid war. And he's like, look, you, you're my brother. You're my best friend. But I can't let you do this. I have to finish the mission. And Rosh is not budging, man. And Stock's like, look, man, I'm not letting you do that. He's like, well, you won't kill her and you won't let me kill her. So that leaves us with one thing. We're at an impasse. So, we now have a boss fight with Rosh. Uh, did you have any problem with this? No, other than that it was very long, so what I had to do was switch to poison. Switch because to poison? I Yeah, I started using poison wings oh. on him. Because my, I don't know, my normal attacks were doing so little damage against him. I used that, Power Wave the entire time. Oh, yeah. I was doing that, when when I did hit him, I was using Power Wave. Um, but even that, I don't think, was even doing as much as the Poison was, and the Poison would automatically hit him every turn. That's true. You know so, what? You just gave me an idea. I need to start using items more. Yeah, that that's one of my favorites. Because there's so many people who have, like, they'll raise their defense, and then most hits only do one damage to them. Yeah. But, you know what? Poison, don't give a damn what your defense is. <laughs> 30, for me, it, it seems like it's 38 damage every time. There Not that go. that's remarkably high, but it's usually roughly in line with the power wave. Yeah. And you're getting and, hit in every single time. Yep. Meanwhile, you're you could healing. be healing. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
That's smart, Matt. I need to start doing that. I've used the power, uh, or not the power, but the uh, poison attack that uh, Rainy has. Yeah, I use hers quite a lot now. It's really nice whenever you bunch up like three guys together and then hit them, all three of them, with it. Yep. Um, and it's cheap. It's only three MP. Yeah, it's real cheap. Um, Which yeah. is a thing in this game. Like, more than most games, I feel like I have to manage my MP. Oh, big just time. Just be- because you are out sort of in the field a lot. And, you know, when you're using, what, the double attack takes 10 MP, the power wave takes 8, and you only have, what, 60 or 70? So you you, do, you can do that six times in a fight, and then you're done. You're out. Yeah. It's, uh, I you know, I have, like I said, I have that, that small advantage of, you know, I have the Vault of Time. I can just get, like, almost unlimited items. Just go to the Vault of Time for an hour and grind. <laughs> I'm getting levels and then getting infinite items. It's it's pretty great. So we have our big boss fight with Rosh. We defeat him. And Stock kills him. He's sitting there, laying there, dying. And he tells Stock, look, man, I get it. I only wish I was as strong as you. Yeah. I couldn't betray my country, but I know that you had to. And I want you to succeed. And he dies. Which then harkens back to our premonition that we had way earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Of, I killed Rosh. I, was, I would that, never do that. I would <laughs> never do that. Why would I kill my best friend? But it happened anyway. Um, and, uh, he said, well, you always said that if you ever fell in combat, not to worry about taking your giant body back to civilization. I said, but I will take your gauntlet back to which I thought, ah, there's my key mm-hmm. uh, for the, uh, for the alternate timeline. Uh, and there's our, our next impasse. Tio and Lipti show up again and say, to think you ever would have killed Rosh. <laughs> it's weird because these little kids, these little elven kids, they're like, it's almost like they're taunting him. Yeah, well, they're very secretive, certainly. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're, the- they're taunting him. They're like, they're basically saying, we knew this would happen, but you had to let it happen. Yeah, because they make, I don't know, maybe it's right at this point. It is. They make a very clear distinction between we're allowed to guide you but not direct you or something like that. The Well, God, what's the line? I, I just saw it probably like 10, 15 minutes before we started recording. Um, it was – he's like, all right, because he asked me. He's like, okay, what is this ritual that Erica wants me to do? Yeah, what, what do you know mean? what it is? And they say yes. Yeah, we know what it is. And he's like, do you know what I would have to do? And they're like, yes. Can He's you like, tell me? Well, what is it? He says, we can't tell you that. Why not? Because we are allowed to tell you, we are allowed to give you the option to do things, but if we tell you what happens when you choose those options, it will steer you in a certain way of thinking. And that that is forbidden for us to alter time in that way. We can't alter history by 
influencing other people. We can only give them the path. They have to choose it. That's a bit of a fine line since when and where they show up is already certainly influencing history. It's true. It's the um, it's the, the conundrum of uh, everybody here. I, I know you, you've watched Quantum Leap before. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that it's that conundrum of uh, is he fixing things that went wrong or is he making sure things go the way they were supposed to? You know what I mean? Yeah, so is, is he... Is, is he putting things right that went wrong, or is he directing making, history itself onto a new path? Well, or, or I'm thinking, or is he making sure? So let's let let me give you this conundrum. And I have actually thought about this because I, I I got into a discussion with somebody one time about what if Quantum Leap was made nowadays. So Quantum Leap had a very I would say controversial episode where. Uh, Sam leaped into the body of, um, oh God, the JFK assassinator. What's his name? Uh, Lee. Lee Harvey Harvey Oswald. Oswald. And he's like, I have to stop this from happening, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, if you put it that way, um, well, I won't won't get into it because it could be a sensitive subject for some listeners and I don't want to bring it up. Well, eleven twenty two sixty three was also a very good story along those lines. Well, my my thing is is that think of it this way: think of it as history as we know it is on the correct path, even with all the things that have gone wrong in our history. Yes. So, like what, Hitler. Yeah. So, what if Sam leapt into Lee Harvey Oswald? To make sure he assassinated JFK. Yep, to keep things the way they should be. Exactly. And then that's the conundrum of, you know, Sam be like, whoa, I can't do this. I, aren't, aren't I supposed to stop this from happening? And then Al would be like, you don't get it. You, the, the, Ziggy the, says you've got a 62% chance that this is what you're here to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Al, Al would have been like, you know, the big revelation is, the big reveal is like, look, you don't get it. You're everything that you've done at this point is to make sure history goes correctly. We know how yeah. history goes. JFK is supposed to be assassinated here. If you don't assassinate him, there will be major repercussions in the future. And so it's one of those conundrums of morally, do I do something wrong to make sure the correct path in history goes? Has anything like that ever existed in any form of media? Because I would find that compelling is everything. Where your goal is to allow seemingly very bad things to happen? Well, it, I wouldn't say like – well, think of it like a television show. Think of it like Quantum Leap, like where you're doing a bunch of things that feel like the right thing to do. You know, you're doing the good thing. You're stopping, you're stopping this bad thing from happening, and it happened in our history. But then all of a sudden you have to do a bad thing, and you realize the big reveal is, oh, God, I have to do this because – that's the course of history. Yeah, I'm trying to think exactly how 112263 played out. 
Because I think most of that, I mean, similar JFK assassination, time traveling back to try and prevent it. But I think most of that was about him just trying to understand the events and figure out who the real bad guys were. Less about any kind of a, a twist on what his goals were. And I won't spoil the ending, but you know there there are there are some it goes some some interesting places. He's actually the grassy knoll, is that it? No, but <laughs> if if you like the Stephen Kingdom, it ties in nicely, especially the TV show. Actually, yeah, I well, thought that was really really well done. Well, that's that's the conundrum I have is that it, it well, I would say, or or at least that's what I guess Tio and Lipty would say. Because, like, look, we can't, we can't, we, you have to make the choice because if you don't, we can just steer you however we want. And that's not how this works. So, um, I guess I have my key to go fix Rosh in the alternate timeline. I can give him his new gauntlet and maybe that will give him a new lease on life. Yeah, there's an annoying couple of complications before you can get that back to him, but... Great. Save that. Save that for next week. Yeah, that's that is where I stopped. So, um, oh, we do have an email. Uh, excellent. Let's see here. We actually got it last week, but we didn't record last week because, well, I didn't play any of this game. Let's see here. Uh, it comes in from Dustin. It says, uh, "Hey guys, haven't been writing much since I finished the game quite a while ago, but I have been enjoying listening to you guys." I uh, finally did die for the first time in the game, and it was uh, during the Chapter 4 boss. Mainly died due to uh, starting a half health at half health and not taking out the mines fast enough. I ended up just having uh, Marco and Rainy in my party the whole time, since every time I could use a new party member, they were always underleveled. Also, Marco and Rainy are always available, and the other members are not. You know, I, I right before we started recording, I told you I died. It was on that same boss. Oh, great. I still feel like this game was on the easy side, and uh, the choices were pretty obvious. I only picked two wrong choices the entire game. I have a feeling that's that's what mine is going to be like. I'll save my thoughts for overall experience for a later episode. I had to laugh and wonder, uh, does the perfect chronology pronounce Keel like Keel? Or Kyle. Or Kyle, because I'm pretty sure... It's uh, it's a fancy spelling for Kyle, since I have two friends that spell it that way. Just had to laugh. It is actually pronounced <laughs> Keel. Oh, it's, is it? Yeah. It's not Kyle. It's it's Keel. So here it says, I also finished Danganronpa and was really disappointed in the ending. The high point was Trial 4, uh, and then the game went to shit. <laughs> and I thought the build-up was kind of too long. Uh, uh, now I'm debating if I even want to play the second one or if there's just an anime I could watch to see the story like the first one. Unfortunately, there is not an anime of Danganronpa 2. Um, there was an anime made for Danganronpa 1 and then they made an anime closing out that story arc. Part, part 3, yeah. yeah. Um, just so you're aware, Drew, they are making an anime of the sequel to Steins Gate. Okay. Because there's already an anime for the first, the first game. Mm-hmm. Now they're making it for the second game. But they didn't make one for Zero. But that's the one they're doing that's, now. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Is Zero a sequel or is it a prequel? 
or both? Uh, I guess it's a prequel. If it, it, no. it's, it's time travel, it could be a sequel. It, it, don't spoil it. That may be a spoiler. Yeah, I, I won't say anything. Okay. I finished up Alpha Protocol 2, and that was an amazing game. I love listening uh, to you. I, I didn't know they made a sequel. <laughs> I finished up... <laughs> well, let's see here. <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, I lost my place. I, I finished up Alpha Protocol 2 as well, I should say. <laughs> and that's an amazing game. Uh, I love listening to your guys' playthrough to see how different it was. Such an underrated game. I was best yeah. buds with Heck, but never did get the option to poison the cocaine, which would have helped in the Moscow fight. Oh, well, there's always a second playthrough. Uh, well, keep up the good work. Even if I'm not writing, I am listening. Dustin, thank you very much. Alpha Protocol, man. That's the hidden gem. Yeah. I I was... I was just telling a guy about that over the weekend. Yeah. It's He was talking about choice in games. I'm like, look, there's there's one that you must play. He's like, Alpha Protocol. I heard about it, but the reviews were terrible. I never would play that game. I'm like, I'm not saying it's a good game, but it's a good example of choice in games. There, There is an amazing game slash story wrapped around a horrible gameplay mechanic. Yep. That's that that's the best way I can describe it. The gameplay is rough, but the, just the the sheer amount of choices and the sheer amount of consequences for those choices is I have yet to see that recreated. Um now from what I understand, there's a couple of those old school RPGs like uh, I heard that uh, Divinity, Original Sin, and Original Sin Two um, are huge as far as like how they how they can play out. Uh, mm-hmm. Pillars of Eternity is another one. Um, Tyranny is another one. All made by almost the same. I want to say the same people. Uh, I don't. I think I know Pillars of Eternity one and two and uh, Tyranny are made by the same company. And obviously Divinity, Original Sin. And one and two is made by the same company. Um, isn't the Pillars of Eternity guys the guys from Obsidian? That sounds right. Let me look it up. Pillars of Eternity uh, is made developed by Obsidian Entertainment. So the same people who made Alpha Protocol made Pillars of Eternity. <laughs> now, Pillars of Eternity, I played a good amount of it. Um didn't beat it, obviously. I, th- I think I've got maybe five hours into it, and it's a very long game. Um, it- it's not like Alpha Protocol by any means or anything like that. It's more of like a, the old school Dungeons and Dragons games like Baldur's Gate or um, Icewind Dale, um, stuff like that. Um, so you got to get in that mindset of like old school RPG. But if you can, it's got some of the coolest like fantasy dialogue and fantasy like just uh, situations and stuff um i would put it up there with like some of my some of my like favorite fantasy um uh, i wouldn't say lore but f- fantasy uh, settings i guess worlds yeah worlds yeah uh, right up there next to like the witcher uh the the witcher 3 I still have yet to beat that game. <laughs> I am very far into it, but 
The Witcher 3, I still have to praise as it has the coolest lore. Some of the coolest fantasy lore I've ever seen in a video game. Um, right up there with like my Dragon Age. Um, I, I find it more admirable in Dragon Age because it's just a video game. They didn't start off making books like The Witcher mm-hmm. did. Dragon Age feels like it's a video game based on a series of like 20 books. Yep, it's got that mythology, that that world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But The Witcher, man, The Witcher is fantastic. Some of that stuff that you see in The Witcher Three was like, like, oh man, I wish I could have thought about that for a D and D campaign or something. Just some of the craziest stuff, like the the witches that you run into, the the crones of the bog, the Mm -hmm. crones of the bog or whatever, like. There's a woman who has kids. She's she's technically kidnapped the kids and runs an orphanage, <laughs> and she has a giant mural of a giant mural picture of these three witches that is made out of human hair, and she <laughs> talks to she she touches the mural and the witches talk through her and talk to the witcher, and I'm like, who thinks of this? This is insane. And the whole time I'm thinking, this is fantastic. This is so yep. cool. <laughs> I was like, this, and it's it, and it's just small, nuanced stuff like that that just like it blew me away. I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is like this weird, like dark fantasy stuff that, like, you know, I've never even read in books before. <laughs> oh man, The Witcher's special. It really is. I yeah, I really want to start on the books as well. Uh, yeah, you, I tell you, if you want to get some uh, information on the books and on which ones to start with, which ones to check out, check, talk to Ryan. Yeah, well, I have them all. <laughs> oh, well, never mind. You already have them. And then I just bought one for a dollar on... What's it called? On, uh, Is episode. one of them called like The Last Promise or something like that? Yeah, so the first, the first book, The Last Wish. The Last Wish, that's it. Uh, from what I understand, that's supposedly the best yeah the last wish yeah it's one of the two it's a series of short stories so there's two books that are just short stories and the rest of them are like a series have you watched the television show I tried to (laughs) it's rough yeah that's rough it's like it was made in the early '90s. You can find it all on YouTube. Uh, it, the Witcher television series was made in the '90s. Aren't they it, making a new one? They are. They're making a Netflix one, I believe. Yeah, that one I'll be keen to see. Oh yeah, but the uh, the '90s one is actually pretty great because it has it's The Witcher, but it has the style of like Xena Warrior Princess or Hercules. <laughs> So it's it's got that like early nineties look to it and vibe, but it has Geralt of Rivia in it. <laughs> I couldn't help but be like, This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's not good, but it is fascinating. I was like, This is so fascinating. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. I well. forgot that existed. Yes, it's great. Go look at it on YouTube. It's all on My, YouTube. I don't know how, how- 
How many episodes are there? It's like 12 or something like that. I think it was more like a mini-series. And it's so all 12 in... like full episodes. Aren't they all in little chunks? Like 10-minute pieces? Probably. I don't know how they, they distributed it on YouTube. It's probably illegally distributed, but it's from like 1992, so who cares? Yeah. But... So I think I watched the first two episodes. I remember... It took a while to get through them because there were so many pieces. The first episode, I think Geralt's barely even in it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway, that's a, that's enough RPG talk. I really want to finish The Witcher one day. Yeah, me too. Um, Should we put that on the goal for the year? I mean, it is the year of the RPG. It's the year of the JRPG. Uh, yeah, CD, right. CD Projekt Red is... Not Japanese. Yeah. We may make an exception. That could be like a, a year-end thing. And be like, hey, we finished The Witcher. Let's talk about it. Just one big episode where we just talk about The Witcher 3. We could give that a shot. If I can pry myself away from Monster Hunter World and Overwatch. Four years later, I can't stop playing Overwatch. Dude, I have an obsession. I really do. Overwatch is one of the best games that's ever been made. Like, like straight up, don't at me. Like, it's, I mean, but no, nah, but seriously, like it to me, that's like it's right up there with like you know Diablo two and you know, Resident Evil and Final Fantasy seven for me. Uh, that's awesome. I've put more time into Overwatch than I have most of those games. And it's it, the thing is, it's simple. It is, it's the exact same characters doing the exact same thing on the exact same maps every time. And I can't help but like finish a match, let's do another one. Let's do another one. And then all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock at night and i got to go to bed. I don't know what it is. Blizzard has... Blizzard has that knack for making the best. Yep. So, uh, I mean, it's it's arguable when you say, what's the best MMO? World of Warcraft. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, me personally, I'm not a big MMO player, but uh, I've played World of Warcraft. There's tons of people out there who do. And uh, what's the best RTS ever made? <laughs> Starcraft. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, and people will fight me to the death for this one, Best MOBA, in my opinion, Heroes of the Storm. Like, anything Blizzard makes turns to gold. The day Blizzard makes a fighting game, <laughs> that's going to be at every EVO. That's going to be the top game. Like, those guys hire the best in the world at what they do. And they make quality games. I will... Even if... Even if it's not in my wheelhouse of games. I've played StarCraft. I've, I've messed around with it some. I'm not an RTS fan at all. But, I mean, I, anytime Blizzard releases a game, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So, it's... There's not, not many I trust more than them. Yeah. Or as much as them. Exactly. The, the, only, the only other company that I would probably guarantee to buy a game from is CD Projekt Red. So Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk is day one for me. Are you kidding me? Yep. Me too. Absolutely. You give me you give me Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner, in my mind, I've been thinking, this is going to be the Davis Exiles wanted. 
Did you play Deus Ex? Uh, Human Revolution. Human Revolution. Yeah. Didn't like it. I did like it. Uh huh. But, but there's something about Deus Ex Two that I want expanded on. The Invisible War. Yeah. Two's the one I wanted to like the most, but couldn't. And one was just so rough; it was hard to love. That's the thing, is that you kind of like people. People will fight you, like fight you to the death. Deus Ex, one of the best games ever made. But if you didn't grow up playing that game, going back to it is almost impossible. It so is, I did not. Yeah, it is. You're right. Yeah, it's tough, and it, it's almost in a line of those games, like. First Mass Effect, kind of rough, but a good series. First Witcher, kind of rough, but a good series. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That's um, it's it's, it's just, you know it's the same way with me with Half Life. Yeah, I, I didn't play Half Life or Half Life Two when they first came out, and so I played them later on, and it doesn't strike me as it does with everybody else. So you 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 say what's the best first person shooter ever made? A lot of people say Half Life Two. Yeah, Half-Life 2 impressed me. To me, I'm just like, oh, I played that game like, you know, seven years after it came out. I, you know, there were plenty of games that came after it that did things it did mm-hmm. and possibly better. I didn't experience it when it was new. And sure, that game was the first game. I, I guarantee you, you take somebody who has never played Metal Gear Solid and you sit them down to play Metal Gear Solid 1 on the PlayStation 1, they're going to say, I don't see what's so great about this game. And then you kick them out of the house. But then I, I will fight them to the death, saying that that's the greatest game ever made. Because it is. Because I grew up playing it. That's the thing. It's it's weird. It's it's, it's zeitgeist. It's, it's nostalgia. You know. I get it. Metal Gear mm-hmm. Solid. Metal Gear Solid. There's plenty of games out there that play a, sh- a way better than than it, you know. But yeah, I mean, I guess the the only argument against that is that puts things on one scale. You're either better than this or worse than this. Games like Metal Gear do their own thing so well that you know it, it it's got its own flaws. It's got its own highs and lows. And all of that collectively is what makes it so good. Even the lows. Like, how many people complained about the long cutscenes? But, you know, that's, that, that can be in a particular day, in a particular playthrough, my absolute favorite thing, like Metal Gear Solid 4. Some of the nonsense in that game. It, you know, it's, it's hard to say exactly what's good and bad about Metal Gear for me because it all is very Metal Gear. Yeah. That, I don't know. I guess instead of saying the greatest game of all time, it's my favorite game of all time. That that would be the best way to describe it. Like it's, that, that game defined like my gamer identity. I hate, yeah. I hate using that term. I hate, the, I kind of hate the term gamer. <laughs> but, you know, in, in my time of playing video games, some of the best time I've ever had was playing Metal Gear Solid for the first time. Yep, me too. Because I was, you know, 13 years old, just turned 13, playing a mature game, one of the most mature games I've played ever, and one of the most cinematic games I've ever played. In fact, it was the first of its kind. Yep. 
You know, it, it sets so many bars to, to for games that still go on to this day. You know, every game is cinematic now, it seems like. And it started with Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, I'm actually really curious. I don't think my parents have seen a video game in, I don't know, maybe since I was 17. <laughs> so it's, it's probably been a while. I'm curious what they would think of if they saw the opening to God of War. Just because it's, you know, it's so visually impressive relative to what they last experienced. And it's got some heart behind it in the opening scene. So I wonder, I wonder if they would enjoy it or if they would say that, no, this is just a toy for kids. So, uh, there was, it was two, it was two summers ago. My, I had my Wii U. Um, and I had, uh, recently purchased, uh, Super Mario 3D World, uh, which is a fantastic game for the Wii U. Um, and my dad and mom came to my house because their air condition broke and it was really hot that summer. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'll come on over, you know, until you get your air fixed. And, you know, and I was sitting there playing Mario and my dad walked in and dad's like, what are you playing? I was like, I'm playing Super Mario. And he's like... They still make those? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so he, he sat down and watched it with me, and he's like, man, they, uh, they've they changed, haven't they? And I was like, yeah. I was like, it's still Mario, though. And he's like, well, yeah, it looks like Mario. And he's like, uh, he's like, but I still like the 2D stuff better. Or he's like, he's like, <laughs> I like, I like the, the left to right stuff better. You know, like that, that, that was like, dad played a, a good amount of stuff with me. I'll never forget. One of the the craziest moments. My dad is not a video game player at all, but when I was the NES, you know, when I was a kid, he would help set it up and stuff like that, and show, try to show me a few things. Um, for Easter one year, my dad bought me Super C, mm. which is the sequel to Contra. Mm-hmm. And everybody always claims that Contra is one of the hardest games ever. They have not played Super C. <laughs> Super C is brutal. And I was playing Super C and Dad was watching me. And I was dying over and over and over again. And Dad finally said, What's wrong with this game? And he's like, Is it is, like is it just that hard? And I was like, Yeah. And he's like, Let me try it. We spent Easter Sunday playing Super C. Dad was like determined to beat this game. <laughs> He was like, I no. He said, no, nah, I need to see how hard this gets. And he, he made it very, very far. I, I can't remember if he beat it. I don't think he beat it. But that was like the most I've ever seen my dad play a video game. Mm. And he was determined. He's like, no, this this stupid little 8-bit game is not going to defeat me. <laughs> oh, man, I'll never forget that. I think the most I've ever gamed with my parents was the original Pong, because it was literally the only gaming system we had when I was, like, seven. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> I don't think my dad's ever played a game since. I know Dad played a little bit of GoldenEye with me back in the day. Um, he always wanted to play Man with the Golden Gun, because he'd just go get the Golden Gun and just protect it so nobody else could get it, and he'd just shoot me constantly. Because <laughs> you, you, you die in one shot with it. Um... He did play a lot of he, he he I wouldn't say a lot but he played a good amount of King Griffey Jr presents Major League Baseball on the hmm. Super NES. Uh we were both kind of big fans of that game. 
that was like uh that was like the one thing me and dad actually sat down and played together and um but yeah we did that yeah i think the only one i remember my my mom really liking was watching me play resident evil the first one the first one yeah i remember being there when you fight the snake yeah and she saw that she's like oh oh that's scary <laughs> <laughs> That's She's funny. like, it's so lifelike. <laughs> now it's like a bunch of blocks moving around. Yeah. But yeah. I had good times. That was fun. Yeah, so um, to bring that back, I mean, I'm curious to see what they'll say. I want to – I don't know if they're going to be up this weekend or in a couple of weeks, but my parents will probably be out to visit at some point. So I kind of want to show them God of War and just, just see if they have any impressions at all Either either way. Yeah. You can do that. You can uh, do a follow-up on the next podcast. Yeah. Tell me what they thought. Did they just sit there and like whatever? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it for us. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, yeah. That's it. We're going to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. But until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week. We'll be back next week with a continuation of Radiant Historia. Radiant Historia.